to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Well, happy holiday season. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. As you know, we're available on Google, Spotify, and of course, on iHeartRadio. Today, I want to talk about some things, particularly the holiday season, and I don't want to offend anyone. Of course, I think of Christmas and Hanukkah and extend my best wishes to Jews and Christians worldwide as we prepare for the holiday season. In addition to others I may have missed, I wanted to highlight Kwanzaa. Today's history lesson will include Kwanzaa. It's an African-American celebration which is celebrated between December 26th and January 1st, thereby taking advantage of the post-Christmas sales very similar to the British, who celebrate Boxing Day. Kwanzaa, which of course was made up in 1966 by an American who goes by the name of Malana Nebuzidath Karenga, but of course he was born Ronald McKinley Everett. He's an African-American and a professor of Africana Studies. He was involved in the U.S. organization, no relation to the USO. The USO is an organization that supports our troops and soldiers. The USO that Mr. Everett is involved in was involved with the Black Panthers, and he was very involved with their violent protests and clashes. Due to his outstanding career with the USO, he was convicted of a felony assault and false imprisonment. For his efforts, he became a guest of the state of California at the California Men's Penal Colony, where he is imprisoned for several years. Shortly thereafter, he received his Ph.D. from the August Alliant International University. Here endeth the lesson. For those of you that don't know me personally, please note that the entire history lesson was done with my tongue firmly in my cheek. But back to today's Texans view of the world. I had the good fortune to spend a week with my wife and a few of my family members in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe is one of the most beautiful places in our country and maybe on earth. In fact, it's one of my favorite places to go regardless of the time of year. The seasons are fabulous. It's great in the summer and in the winter. My only drawback is that it's at 7,000 feet of altitude. For me, altitude is a bit bothersome. My wife will tell you that most of it's in my head, and she's probably right. I love the mountains. I just don't like altitude. In fact, I've always said if I could find a mountain Near the beach, I'd buy all the land I could. Mercifully, this trip was short, a week long, but it was also excellent weather. The only problem I had with the altitude was a little sleep deprivation, and that's the point of my discussion today. When I grew up, there were only three channels on TV, ABC, CBS, and NBC. And in Houston, that were channels 2, 11, and 13. In fact, Channel 39 came on a little bit later. But the reason was because the networks, as they were called, controlled the stations in each city, thereby controlling, well, basically all the news and programming. In Houston, we had Channel 13, and I fell in love with Kitterick, who hosted Kitterick's Carousel. Kitterick, K-T-R-K, was the call sign and hence her name. She had a carousel that you could ride for your birthday, and my mom took my brother and I on a couple of occasions. It was wonderful, but I digress again. TV is different today. Today, if you have cable or dish or satellite, 
you have probably 500 stations at any given time. It is an overflow of information, news, sports, and infomercials. Having said this, I was amazed at 2 a.m. in Santa Fe, New Mexico, how little there was to watch on TV. I have seen enough silly movies to float a battleship, but even those weren't on at that time of day. After what seemed like hours of channel surfing, I finally found the new edition of the Bravo Classic inside the actor's studio, and this is what I want to talk about. This show was originally founded by James Lipton and served as a seminar class for aspiring writers, directors, and actors in the New York area and was held at Pace University in what we refer to as In the Round. In other words, those on stage were surrounded by the guests who were able to listen to the interview. James Lipton, the founder, was an American writer, actor, and Dean Emeritus of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University. Honestly, I can't think of one thing he ever wrote or acted in, but he was absolutely great in this show. In fact, years ago, the first edition was with Paul Newman, and the show really caught on. More humorously, he was spoofed by Will Ferrell and was made famous by him. Mr. Lipton was known for his intensive research on the actors he interviewed and always had a huge stack of blue note cards, so many that he could never get through all of them, but he was thorough. So at 2 a.m., I stumbled upon old editions of this show, as well as the new that had been created since his death. The show was formulaic, and the end was always a questionnaire he gave to each of his guests. This questionnaire was originally done by French television personality Bernard Pivot on his show Apostrophes and was a none-too-subtle theft of the Proust questionnaire about life. I chuckle when I read this because uh, Mr. Lipton was not French. He was an American, but he loved to say Bernard Pivot like uh, French people like to do. He was a funny guy. So as I sat in my underwear watching TV at 2 a.m. and feeling particularly grateful for the life my wife and I enjoy and my family, I reviewed the questions in my own mind and would ask that you do the same. When I shared the idea for today's podcast with my wife, she said, you can't interview yourself. But really, what is a podcast but a one-man interview and ramblings? So here I go. He lists 10 basic questions in this Proust questionnaire. The first being, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is elegant. To me, it brings back a simpler time when glitz and bling were less important than beauty in its own right. My wife is elegant, whether she's in jeans and boots or a ball gown and heels. Hunting quail with friends is an elegant pursuit. The beauty of the countryside and the dogs working. To me, that's a truly elegant afternoon. And finally, dinner with friends over a wonderful bottle of wine, or a mediocre bottle of wine, or any wine, by a fireplace. Those are the things I find elegant. Life doesn't have to be fancy to be elegant. The second question in the, in the questionnaire is, what's your least favorite word? Well, I have lots of those. The word can't comes to mind. Can't never could, as my friend Mel Payne, the founder and CEO of Carriage Services, says. I guess I'm an optimist, so can't isn't even in my vocabulary. But worse than that, I would say another word is existential. It's actually the favorite of the left. 
Have you noticed that everything is existential? That's why it's such a stupid word. On its face, it's a double entendre. It's like when people say, at the end of the day, or let's be clear. Well, the end of the day is night, and that's all you need to know about that. And so being existential, whether it's existential crisis, existential problems with climate control, existential problems with democracy, they just like to use that word, and I really don't like it. What is your favorite or least favorite word? Keep that in mind as we go through this. Number three is what turns you on. Now, this is a loaded question, and because this is a family show, I'm going to go ahead and play this one straight. But my wife knows. And other than that, I would say intellectual curiosity. That's what turns me on. I love to learn. The best thing about these handheld monitors we carry, also known as telephones, is the access to information. Any subject can be Googled or researched. It's wonderful. But what turns you on? The next question is, what turns you off? In short, for me, it's people who lack intellectual curiosity. Think about it. We have all this information, and so many people only expose themselves to one set of data. People are always amazed that I read the New York Times and listen to NPR. Those are not traditional conservative places to find information. But for me, it's a wealth of information because I get to see, as I say, what the other side is thinking. And so for me, it's frustrating. The reason it's so hard for us to find common ground is because so many of our fellow Americans fail to avail themselves of information which is found literally at their fingertips. In fact, it would be like a caveman deciding to sit in the dark when light or fire is just outside the cave. The next question is, what sound or noise do you love? For me, it's simple. It's a friend's voice or a loved one's voice. I love to hear from my friends. I'm so blessed, whether it's my friend Bob Alleborn in Los Angeles or my friend Dr. Brent King in Maryland. From coast to coast, I love to hear from my friends. What's your favorite noise? The next question is, again, the corollary. What is the sound you hate? And for me, that's an easy one. Alarm clocks. I hate alarms. I've always hated alarms. I really hate the alarm on my phone. Setting an alarm even makes me uneasy. Quickly followed is the noise of the sound of the voice of one of my children who are in distress. That sound breaks my heart. They say you're only as happy as your least happy child. Well, we are blessed with four wonderful and happy children. What about you? What's your least favorite noise or sound? The next question is one of my favorites. What's your favorite curse word? When I come up with the answer, I can't help but smile and think about my friends Barry and Dina Wren. They could answer the question. I'll give you a hint. It starts with an F and it ends with a K. In fact, they gave me a swear jar and it was filled pretty quickly. Of course, this is nothing I'm proud of. In fact, it's frankly embarrassing. I'm better educated, but frankly, the word is just so useful. I mean, that word can be a noun, a verb, an adjective, or an adverb. But again, I would ask you, what's your favorite curse word? Say it quietly as you read this or listen to this, because I guarantee you a smile will come to your face. The next question is, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I love this question. I obviously love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else, because every day is new. Every opportunity is a challenge. 
I love being a financial advisor. In my job, I am the guardian of the wealth of the most successful people on the planet. What an honor. However, if I could do anything else, it would be to be a fantastic guitar player slash songwriter like James Taylor. I love JT, and I always smile when I hear his music. Whether you're in an elevator, your car, or even seeing him live, it's always an upbeat experience. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. He has a wonderful gift. If you could do anything besides what you're doing today, what would you do? The next question, again, is the flip side of that. What profession would you not like to attempt? Well, that's a difficult one. I think there's a job for everyone, and so I feel like anything I say might be characterized as being pejorative. I guess the one I would least like to do is to be a litigation attorney. For me, I find it to be less than wholesome based on some of the characters I've met, and of course, I hate conflict. I would probably have an ulcer after the first week. If litigation was the last possible outcome and the loser had to pay, I think we'd have a whole lot less litigation. What would be your nightmare job? Finally, the question number 10 is the granddaddy of all questions. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I've always liked the way this question is broached. It's a combination of Proustian philosophy, leaning towards his atheism, because he starts out by saying, if heaven exists, and of course, genuine curiosity about the moment when you meet God. For me, my wife and I love the song, I Can Only Imagine. It's so uplifting. And for those of us that believe in God, this is the Super Bowl of life and death. Heaven, as I see it, is to be in the presence of God. What a wonderful moment. Of course, there is always going to be the I told you so to atheists, but it would probably be in the back of my mind. The words of the song are so beautifully written to describe all the feelings you might have. Those lyrics are, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Surrounded by you, glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in the awe of you be still? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. What a wonderful vision of being with God on the final day as you enter the pearly gates. And for me, as 2020 comes to a close, I can't help but think about all the friends we have lost through a myriad of reasons, not including and not least of which COVID, and the moment that they got to see God face to face. While I'm jealous, I'm glad it's not quite my time yet. It's clear that God has other plans for me, not the least of which is to quit cussing so much. In fact, I'm sure the glory of seeing God will be so great, I might even blurt out my most favorite curse word in excitement. But if asked, my answer is like all of us who seek to spend our life of eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I can't help but think of Matthew 25. I would want to hear God say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. For me, that's about as good as it gets. 
What would you like to hear God say? So those are the 10 questions for the day, and I hope you will give thought to them. As we celebrate the season of Advent and await the coming of the Christ child, I hope you remember that none of us know when our time will come. As Matthew so elegantly writes, So always be ready, because you don't know the day your Lord will come. For me, I always look forward to Christmas season. It's a time for remembrance and a time for reflection. Advent, of course, means from the Latin, to come. This is the time when we're waiting for Christ to come. And as I look at 2020, it's been one of the most challenging years for our country and for us personally. But I know 2021 will give us new challenges and, more importantly, new opportunities for growth and happiness. Always remember that while yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.